Hello, history nerds and historians. My name is Christina, and this is After Mythology. This is where we talk about a little tidbit from mythology that's super fucked up. Happy Valentine's Day. Well, uh, I mean, I guess early Valentine's Day. I was thinking about what kind of myth I wanted to do for Valentine's Day, and honestly, one immediately came to mind, and that is the Babylonian myth of Pyramus and Thisbe as told by Ovid, which uh, is basically like the original Romeo and Juliet. So spoilers, I guess, if you know how that ends. But to be fair, this myth is like thousands of years old and Romeo and Juliet is like 425 years old. So sorry, not sorry, if you don't know how how, how that ends at this point. Uh, yeah. So without further ado, sit back, relax and practice your, oh, good God, what the fuck faces. It was said that if you searched the world, you would not find a girl with greater charm than Thisbe and a boy more handsome than Pyramus. Thisbe and Pyramus met each other when they were young because they lived so close together. The way that Ovid describes it is basically like they lived in a duplex. And as happens, sometimes they started to fall in love, but their parents forbade them from getting married. But just because they forbid the legal union, it didn't mean that it stopped the feelings between the two of them. Their rooms were actually right next to each other in this little duplex style home. And there was a thin crack in the wall. No one ever noticed before, but the lovers did and they were able to whisper to each other through it. To quote Ovid, Pyramus and Thisbe often stood, he on this side and she on that, and when each heard the other sigh, the lovers said, Oh, jealous wall, why do you block our path? Oh, wouldn't it be better if you let our bodies join each other fully? The crack is small. It's not a glory hole. Uh, but remember, <laughs> no glove, no love. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, even though they lived so close together, they never kissed or touched or did anything more than whisper to each other through the wall. And one day it just became too much and they devised a plan. In the dead of night, they would sneak out and meet outside of Ninus's tomb. Ninus was the king of Assyria. And next to his tomb, there was a mulberry tree that was adorned with beautiful, white, pure berries. They would go separately so that they would have less of a chance of being found out, and then they could finally be together. So the sun sets and Thisbe makes her way out of her home with her face veiled like a bride to conceal her identity. She makes it to their meeting place before Pyramus and sits under the mulberry tree, quietly waiting for her soon-to-be lover. But out of nowhere, a lioness, who has just finished killing an oxen with blood still dripping down her face, saunters in looking to quench her thirst at the nearby stream. Thisbe, you know, is scared of the giant bloody carnivore that has just appeared out of nowhere, and she flees to a nearby cave to hide out until the lioness is gone. But as she runs, the veil that she's wearing slips off of her. And for some reason, the uh, lioness has a vendetta against sheer fabrics, and she tears it to shreds. So Pyramus arrives a few minutes later after the lioness has left and calls out to his love Thisbe and receives no answer. So he starts looking around for her and finds lion tracks and the shredded, blood-stained veil. 
Pyramus cries out and blames himself for her apparent death. He gathers the remain of her veil and sits in the spot that they intended to meet with what he assumes is all that is left of Thisbe because the lioness ate her bones and all and stabs himself with the dagger under the mulberry tree. His blood seeps into the ground and is absorbed by the roots of the tree. Soon after, Thisbe quietly leaves her cave and makes her way over to the mulberry tree where she was to meet Pyramus and notices something odd. The berries of the tree are no longer a beautiful pure white, but are now a deep, dark red. And then she sees him. Pyramus is laying under the tree, surrounded by a pool of blood. He's still alive, but not for much longer. She drops to the ground and holds him in her arms. She kisses his face and he opens his eyes and looks at her for one final time before his eyes close forever. She looks next to him and recognizes her veil and his dagger, and she realizes what happened. She says to him, My dear boy, our love has killed you. Nothing but death could have separated us, but it will not separate us for much longer. I will follow you in death. And in her final moments, she calls out to the night, to their parents, let us be united forever. Let us share one tomb and mulberry tree. Let you forever bear these dark berries so that our love can be remembered forever. And with that, she kills herself with the same dagger. With her final breath, her parents awake, hear her prayer, and the gods taking pity on her and her love, grant her wish. And that's why mulberries are darkly colored, people. (laughs) Oh, man, that was a downer. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) I hope this one puts you in the mood. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Thanks so much for listening today. If you like what you heard because you're a masochist and you want to hear more, please consider subscribing or leaving a review or joining my Patreon. If you have any stories from history or mythology or true crime pre-1950 or so, please reach out because I'm always looking for new ideas. All of my contact information is in the description box. And remember, friends, history may be watching you, so don't fuck it up. And maybe wait like five to ten minutes before jumping to like harsh, uh, like harsh decisions when it comes to meeting someone under the mulberry tree. Bye!